Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on this show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. So if this is your first time tuning in, you're jumping in at a great time. We are concluding a three-part series, and we'll get into more of that in a minute. Also, if this is your first time, I just want to take a minute and recognize you and just say welcome to the Kelly family. This whole show exists to help you, help you grow personally, professionally, and even in your company, help your company grow as well. So if you are an organizational leader, maybe you're looking to jump into organizational leadership, maybe you're looking to jump and start your own organization, like I said, we want to come alongside you and support you. So if you're wrestling with how do you get started, if you're wrestling with wrestling with questions about how do I deal with specific team issues, specific procedural issues, we would love to have a conversation with you. Or you're being mentored by someone. Maybe there's someone in your circle of influence who's just this amazing person. Maybe you know, you're reading a book or you know of an author or something that's just inspired you and you want to share it and for us to turn it into an episode. Connect us. Any of those apply to you, we would love to hear from you. And the best way to do that is through email. So send us an email to ROIPod. That's R-O-I-P-O-D at I-U-P-U-I.edu. Again, R-O-I pod at iupui.edu. Like I said just a few moments ago, we are concluding an awesome three-part series all about giving you just tools to be an effective manager. This is all stemming from a brand new uh, course on edX put on by many of the instructors here at Kelly School of Business, and it's titled Exceptional New Manager's Toolkit. So if anything resonates with you, if you want to take a deep dive, the best place to go is to go to edX and just, just search Exceptional New Manager's Toolkit, Kelly School of Business, any of those keywords, and you will see it pop up. Again, if, the, if you are joining us for the first time, I would highly encourage you to go back to the beginning of this series because every layer is building upon what we've started with. The very first week was just giving an introduction to this toolkit and going over the first course, taking charge with care, where how do we start as this new management? What are the tools we need to be an effective manager? Then in the second week, we dove into dealing with the daily drama. As a manager, there are just circumstances and things that just become drama to your workday, and how do you effectively deal with that, be it customers, be it employees, be it processes within? Go back and take a listen, because today we are wrapping up this series with finding the personal joy in management. How at the end of the day, through all of this work, through all of the blood, the sweat, the tears, the tough conversations, how at the end of the day can you find personal joy and personal fulfillment within this role? So today, I'm honored to be joined um, by Tatiana Kolovu and Ray Luther. Welcome back to the podcast. And it's sad, it's bittersweet because we've had so much fun um, that this is this is wrapping up. But welcome back to the podcast. Matt, thank you so much for having us. You mentioned the first two courses are externally focused, things that new managers need to think of right away on day one, taking care of uh, everything around them with care and managing the drama. But this third course is more internally focused. It's turning inward and looking to see 
what makes management so joyful? How can you find the the um, the joy and and the the liking of what you do? Because you have to endure. You have to to last a longer time and be able to see and benefit from all the hard work that you do. Because whatever it is that you're serving people or giving people or connecting with people, it helps um, everyone around you in the community. So being positive about that, that, that's one part that in a way that we end with, I'm going to go a little bit backwards. And then how do you project the values that you have and how do you influence others around you? The best managers are the ones that the magic is done when they're not around, that they don't have to be in front of everyone's face for the good work to be done. How is that possible? How can they influence from afar? And how can they speak and share the same values? And in that course, we start by saying, understanding and knowing yourself, having the self-awareness and reflecting and being observant of how do you operate? How do you behave? How do you come across? How do you process? Taking the time to work internally or or reflect in this way we think is the must-have final chapter in this list of courses that we have to offer and then we get into you know knowing yourself ray i know that you lead that talk us and walk us through that course yeah i think tatiana did a wonderful job setting up kind of the overall gist and and when we were designing the course we did say you know hey taking charge of your team there's a 90 to 100 day period it's really important Dealing with the daily drama is there, but oftentimes you get a year into it and you say, well, what's in it for me, mm-hmm. right? How am I going to understand myself? And that's really where uh, this aspect of the best leadership development starts with a strong sense of self-awareness. But when you say self-awareness, a lot of people think, oh, I automatically have self-awareness. I've been, I'm with myself all the time. I know myself <laughs> really well. And they don't necessarily think about, well, no, actually it takes a little bit of work to get there. Uh, Tasha Yurik has a great a book called Insight, and then she did some research and found that about 85% of adults think they're highly self-aware, and the real number looks like 10 to 15%. And so in the course of knowing yourself, we go through, well, what does it mean to become self-aware, and how do you actually do that? And it's not just thinking harder, because that often leads to introspection. It's more about how can I observe myself in action, and how can I see myself both through my own sense-making process, which means how do I interpret situations that happen, but also the sense-making process that others have, right? If I work with Tatiana, we've worked together for years, I trust her opinion to build my self-awareness because she sees things about me that I don't see, right? And she's a, a trusted friend and colleague that I can use to, to kind of think through, well, how do I show up in situations, right? Um, so that internal and external self-awareness build to really know myself, where I might have some, you know, benefits I can offer a group, where I might need to think about the opportunities I bring to the table or those shortages um, can be something that's uh, really powerful. Um, But it's not just about knowing yourself. It's about once I have that sense of who I am, but then how do I actually show up? Mm -hmm. And that's why the second uh, week of the course actually came to be. Tatiana and Brenda are two of our leading communication professors at the school. And can communicate really well. How do you bring these things to life once you have a good sense of what they are? I want to tee off, you know, just a, just a million dollar question because I think it fits really good here. You know, we we hear we see things when we look at kind of the job market. We see so many openings. We we've heard terms of like you know the quote unquote great resignation where people are just shuffling and moving companies. And I think it becomes one of those dog chasing its own tail things where 
you know, as individuals, maybe even as leaders, we project, well, if I had the right job, if I had the right role, if I had this right external fill in the blank, then I will find that fulfillment in my job, in my management, in what I'm doing as a leader. Where in reality, it seems like, you know, this is one of those easy to say, hard to do things where, no, maybe the problem is me. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. it's not, and obviously outside of circumstances, you know, like abuse circumstances or cultural things or things that are like very obvious that no, this is not the right organization. Sometimes it's on and it's an internal thing. So uh, what, you know, what is the first thing as a, as a leader, as an organization, before we even think about taking the jump because we're miserable or fill in the blank, what's that first step toward becoming that aware of myself and the situation where I sit? Yeah, I, uh, I'll echo or reinforce, I guess I should say your point um, and I don't know how well this will translate over the podcast, but there's a wonderful set of research from Kuzis and Posner uh, that's in their book, The Leadership Challenge, where they show uh, oftentimes organizations like to educate us about the organization's values, right? Here's what the team values. Here's what the organization values. And very few people know their personal values or have spent the time against them. But what, what they showed through the research is the people who were clearest on their personal values even absent knowing the organization's values were way more committed to the organization than people who just knew the organization's values. And that's a, that's a, maybe a little bit of a counterintuitive concept, right? Like, Hey, if I know the organization's values, I should be able to line up against them. What's probably going on is when I have a good sense of my personal values, I'm able to find the ways at my work that it resonates with me. So maybe it's about managing people. Maybe it's about solving problems. Maybe it's about working with customers and delighting them. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It's just it becomes very personalized for you in that way. And so the the question you ask is, well, how do you go about understanding your values, right? What is it that, what do I need to do? I don't just go to Target and buy my values or, <laughs> you know, find a way to automatically identify them. And they can be hard. It's, it's what is it that brings you energy what is it that sucks your energy? What are the filters you use to determine right and wrong and good and bad and how you make sense of certain things? Um, and so there's lots of resources out there, which we give a few resources in the course. But then beyond identifying them, you have to get into what Tatiana and Brenda get into in the second week, which is how do you start living? How do you start projecting them and bringing them to life? Which is a great point because you can't communicate what you first off don't know. I mean, you can only BS your way to a point and then, you know, there's, there's people see right through it. So yeah, talk about that. Well, I I did want to make a point earlier. You said, you know, chasing your own tail, figuring, is it the job or is it me? Inauthenticity has zero endurance. You're not going to last in any situation if you're not your authentic self. And as Ray teaches, you have to be self-observant to figure out what, who are you, what do you, what do you believe, and how do you show up. And then when you can match that with an organization, a cause, a, a, a product, whatever it is that you do, now you can make amazing things happen. But Brenda and I say you have to be able to communicate it, and there has to be a match. Brenda tells a great story, and she lived this, of a manager that said, I believe in professional development. It's really important. We're going to bring you in for a training, and this is important. Well, she goes in to do the training, and she realizes that everyone is on email or on their phones, and this is in the first hour, and she asks the training coordinator, this is not working at the break. She's like, well, let's do something else, because I can't get through to them. She said, I'm sorry, 
or she asked one of them and they said, we are expected to respond to messages no matter if we're in a professional development workshop. Well, the director said that this was important to him, but he didn't live it. He didn't show it and they didn't change or learn anything. She had a hard time and I'm not sure what she did at the end. You'll have to watch, listen to the course to, to hear it, but you, you have to be able to project those values and live them and then be consistent with them. And we talk a lot about uh, avoiding mistakes and aligning to your audience and flexing your style and all of those good things that communication does. You know, as, as a first couple steps, you know, maybe someone's there, they're, they're at that chasm. You know, I'm sure at some point all of us reach that chasm of realizing, is it the job? Is it me? Who, who am I as a, as a leader? As a, as a, where do I want to be? You know, what, what are some, you know, some first couple steps you know, that, that um, organizational leaders can start to take to define their values? You know, like what is like the, f- like one of the most important things like, hey, this is a good starting spot. So that way you can start finding that line. Is it the organization truly, or is it more like, is it, is it me as a person trying to find my own self-identity um, and self-fulfillment? Yeah, I mean, I think there, what I would start with is because of the impact on commitment that personal values can drive, I would try to start with understanding what are my own values. And, and um, like we talk about in the course, there's a couple different resources that can be there. Uh, there's the VIA Institute Character Survey. VIA stands for Values in Action. And you can look up VIA and they have a free uh, instrument you can take, which might get you started. There are value sort cards out there and you can look for some on Amazon and buy a a deck pretty cheap where you do value sort exercises of understanding which value is more important to you. The trick is to really say, what are the top five to seven values that really are driving and filtering, you know, how I see the world? What's important to me? Um, I have a lot of coaching clients that have espoused coach or espoused values, right? I'll say that my family's important to me. Well, then you say, well, great, let's look at your work calendar. What, what kind of family time do you have carved out? There's not a lot of family mm-hmm. time carved mm-hmm. out, right? They're not necessarily being disingenuous on purpose. It's just what we pay attention to is often what we value the most. And that might be because, you know, somebody else's expectations. I can't, I can't speak for everyone, but it's, it really is a sense of what am I paying attention to and what's driving my behavior in terms of the importance that I have. So one of my favorite techniques to work with my coaching clients is simply let's journal and observe against your values. Where do you notice on certain work projects that you get a lot of energy? What are the types of work projects? Who are the people you're working with? Um, Where are the ones that maybe kind of suck your energy dry and you're not really motivated to work on them and they're, they're kind of frustrating for you? Is there a value we might be able to identify in, in those projects or in that work that you're doing that could help us kind of clarify, again, one of those five to seven things that we just keep front of mind and say, how do I use these values to identify what can help make me more committed to my project, my team, my job, whatever it happens to be that I, I really want to be interested in. You know, with communication obviously being key because, you know, it's not just knowing and like we kind of alluded to, you have to be able to speak to it. Where is the divide? What does the divide look like? I know Ray kind of touched on it a little bit, you know, saying one thing but doing another. Mm -hmm. You know, how in that, like when you do start really getting a sense of these are my five principles, this is my value, you know, I'm I'm living to them. How do we, 
how do we effectively communicate them so people on our team don't simply look at us as, oh, he's hyped up on another, he watched another TED Talk, oh, here he comes, we're going to do something for three weeks, and then it's going to go back to like the way it was. How does, what does that effective long-term communicating of the values look like? Consistency is one. As you said, it has to match verbals and nonverbals, but we talk in the course a lot about approaching uh, uh, things from an emotional uh, connection. If you tell stories, if you give vivid examples, if you if you really communicate your why, and it may not be just your why, it may be the why of the organization, of why is it that we exist for people to buy in and figure out if they have a good match that they can follow. So it's consistent, it's constant, it's really sitting down and also understanding who your audience is for you, Matt, I may communicate something differently than I would with Ray because I know that you come from a different context or you're in a different part of your life and something is important to you. Myself as a leader, as a manager, I need to be able to flex my message, still get to the same value, but I need to maybe do it a little differently so it's not cookie cutter. So the number one thing uh, is important too. And I want to avoid certain mistakes is I don't want to communicate in the way I prefer to be communicated to. Again, I have to think of my audience. So when we're dealing with communication, like you said, there, there, is a, there is a listening component to communication. I think a lot of times, you know, we think communication and a lot of leaders have this, oh, I need to have the knowledge. I need to have the info. And then I need to be the one to broadcast such message and that's the way the stream of this communication should flow and I and I think you know for for a lot of managers it's just how they've been trained it's what their bosses did that's just kind of the expectation just because it's always been done that way so that's the way I'm going to do mm-hmm. it when in reality kind of like a lot of the, what we're touching this course it's paradigm shifting it's mm-hmm. it's like we said last week seeing your customers as your employees and your employees as customers and this way in order to be an effective communicator it's more not speaking, but ingesting and listening. You, you better. You, and so, so talk about that more, you know, talk about how in, in almost just absorbing, you're actually more of an effective leader than being the one that's always like coming in with, with, with answers. That could be exhausting. We talked about that earlier, but if even in the, in the actual um, course, we talk about certain managers that we follow along and we hear their stories and we have Maria that tells a story that you have to understand what drives each of the people that you work with and then customize your asks towards them. So you need more flexibility, right, mm-hmm. Matt? Um, you need to be able to, to do this and do that. So I'm going to ask you to do this in this way because it matches with what your needs are. If I haven't paid attention and spent time with you and understood where you're coming from and listened to your needs, I'm not going to be able to, to customize in this way. So I'm going to do a cookie cutter again. So listening is most important. And when managers become new managers, it's important that they take time to listen to what people are thinking, where they're coming from, what their values are, what keeps them up at night, what jazzes them up, what's important for them. And that's the only way that they can manage in this different, diverse mindset. You know, and, and with communication, I mean, uh, you become an influence. And I think that leads into what what Tim was going to talk about in this third is is being that positive force, you know, for change. You know, so So what does that even mean? Like, how are we supposed to define, like, positive force? Is it positive from, from my own personal perspective? Is it positive within the organization? You know, how are we um, setting up to be a positive force for change? That's a great question, Matt. I think we've all worked for managers that can be 
energy enhancing and we've probably all worked for managers that could be energy draining. Mm-hmm. And part of what we want to communicate going way back to the early setup of the course is management is a noble profession, right? Management is a profession that requires a certain set of skills and competencies that probably look different than what got you into management. And it can be draining because it's often about others, right? What Tatiana just laid out, it's, it's, it's spectacular. And it's also very draining to have to think about how do I communicate effectively on others' needs at all times. So how do you take a step back, build the self-awareness, and remember that you're doing this for a greater good of helping a group produce more than they otherwise could? And how do you keep that sense of positivity about you? So it's not only about being positive, not in a Pollyanna way, but in a truly motivational way, but being positive in a way that allows others to, sh- to demonstrate their best selves, being positive in a way that is is contributing to the good of the organization. That doesn't mean not disagreeing when you need to. That doesn't mean not pushing back when you need to. But it means keeping that broader sense of greater good in mind and, and trying to contribute that tr- contribute to that in a way through the work you're doing as a manager, which is, again, maximizing how these resources come together to produce something that they otherwise wouldn't do. When we talk about communication, I mean, Anytime there's multiple voices in a conversation, it comes inherently with conflict, mm-hmm. comes with tension, it comes with maybe a value misalignment of sorts, you know, and so using your gym, you know, for those that may be joining for the first time, you know, you run a gym, mm-hmm. uh, you're a small business owner, when you do have value misalignment, or maybe you have conflict, you know, how do you both fight for your team? But at the same time, fight for the values that you know you're you're trying to protect and make sure that everyone's kind of on the same page. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to you know making sure that we're hey, these are the values we all want to shoot for. First, I have to catch myself and be sure I'm not assuming ill intent. I'm not I'm not hungry or hangry or tired that I'm not I'm jumping to a conclusion. So the best thing I can do is what you said earlier: is take a step back, hold my position lightly, listen, or gather more information. And, and sleep on it, so not acting on emotion. But then making sure that we're all on the same page and going back and saying, if this is what we want to accomplish, sometimes, honestly, through conflict come the best ideas or different ideas that we all create together. But I would say first is the self-reflection to, to be sure that you're not jumping to a conclusion, that you're not making an assumption, that you're not assuming ill intent. You take time to listen and then come back and say, okay, what is what are we trying to accomplish here? What are your ideas or where are we conflicting? Sometimes it's silly. And I must say, in today's society, maybe we're using, speaking of communication, the wrong channel. There's so many times that I say, let's take this off text and add this to our next in-person meeting. Or even if it's an online meeting, text can get really snippy. I cannot read tone sometimes. Or if I'm tired, I assume the tone is negative. So we as good communicators have to be able to to, and as managers, maybe find the best time and the best place and the best channel to communicate. We discuss this throughout the course. As we begin to wrap up, it's hard to believe, you know, we have three week series come, coming to a conclusion. You know, at the end of the day, I think, you know, what, what we all want is we want whoever's in management role, we want to make sure that, 
you know, there is fulfillment. There is this personal sense of I'm excited, I'm energized, I want to see people succeed, I want I want myself to succeed. Like we want this winning mindset, you know, for everyone and that everyone can celebrate in. So how do we even define, you know, for as we go through this course and as people leave this course, how do we define that fulfillment? You know, what is how do we define the success for us personally to make sure that, you know, we're hitting our goals and we can stop to celebrate a lot of these wins as we work through um, our management journey. Matt, I would say um, defining the goals or defining the definition of what wins look like is going to be largely up to the individual. What we hope we've done through this course is provided people a series of tools that they can use in a very practical and pragmatic manner where they can see progress, right? If you we're very confident if you use the tools as we intend them, you work through all three courses of the tools, you're going to make a difference on your team. You're going to have a huge difference in how your your confidence that you can show up with as a, as a young manager or leader, but also the difference that others will feel based upon your presence. And we think that's a great way for people to get started in feeling that difference as a manager, as a leader, and building that confidence, um, which is why we why we wanted to do this, right? We wanted to to democratize these these tools for everybody. Um, and we're hopeful. We're hopeful people go to edX and, and either sign up for the course and take it what, what's freely available, or if you prefer to get a certificate and that certificate might be of value to you or an employer or whatever, it's a very small nominal fee to, to get the course certificate and, and get something worthwhile to show a sense of accomplishment for yourself. What can be the expectation of what are people going to find that's different, you know, from any kind of... Uh, just any collegiate or just any program that shoots on that the topic of leadership, you know, what are people going to find when they dive into this to this course? Practical. It's hands on. We use lots of examples, stories. We have the tools and we talk about our own experiences. So I do think it's I'm not saying it's better than other courses. I would say it's it's uh, it meets the, the new manager where they're at at the beginning. Again, Ray Luther, Tatiana Kolovu, thank you both so much. This sadly concludes a three-part series that we've working, been working on. And thank you all so much for your hard work and for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. This has been another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martell. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week.